The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And we've got great news for the guys with the beards. Randall is selling all of his beard oils at 40% off the entire month of September, and as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo, paraben and sulfate-free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great. And as always, you can find Blue roaming around the shop. So give them a call at 405-269-8590, or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today. Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. We're coming to you from 609 South Main Street here in Stillwater. And if you're curious, we're at Stillwater Barbaco. This is the second time we've recorded here. I'm sitting down. We've got Heard. special guest Blue today. Yeah. Blue wasn't here last Blue, time. My, Blue's here today. Made his, made his way in. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, – you just heard it in the in the open or the – Preview, I guess you Intro. could say. Um, but I will say, uh, I'll reiterate once more for those of you that may have missed it or skipped the ad at the beginning. Uh, all this month, the month of September, beard oils are 40% off here at uh, Stillwater Barber Co. And as always, shampoos and conditioners are t- two for 20. So, And I, I do use their shampoo. It's a tea tree oil shampoo, and it is spectacular. Literally squeaky clean. You'll squeak. Great-looking hair, Zach. It's, uh, it's, a, it's because I use the shampoo here at Downtown Barbershop. You know who is? Uh, Stillwater Barbershop. I'm still downtown because it's, it's my place. But we are downtown at Stillwater Barbaco. And you know who was slippery last night? Spencer Sanders was slippery last night. <sighs> yeah. So nice little run through the middle there. I figured we could do – we you know we, we talked about it uh, before we went on. But I figured we could kind of do like a – like a great, good, bad, ugly. Yes, because we're not pessimists. We don't want to do a good, the bad, the ugly. That's two bads, one good. Yeah. Let's even it. You need to go two and two. Yes. And, and I think to start off, I mean, the most obvious is great, and that's Spencer Sanders. I mean, Spencer picked at first half Spencer. And I'm not saying that Spencer was bad in the second half, but things got vanilla, and yeah. Central Michigan obviously made a lot of halftime adjustments and trying to figure some stuff out. But when you look at what Spencer did, and I sent you the, I sent you the stat, from ESPN, uh, Spencer, his just the first half became the second player in Big Twelve history to throw for three hundred, at least three hundred yards, three passing touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns and a half, joining some rather elite company in Patrick Mahomes, who where, did so. In where were you during that Mahomes Mayfield game? Do you remember where you watched that at? Um, that was the most. That was the most NCAA football on varsity wild. mode. Game I've ever seen in my life. I was in California. I think I was honestly. I think I was just at the house. Yeah. I think I, it was either at my house or my dad's house, my parents' house. I can't quite remember. I um, didn't think we'd ever see another perfor- half performance like that. It was insane. And and I'll just I, I will like to say like just start off. I'm not comparing Spencer to Patrick Mahomes. No. Patrick Mahomes is generational talent. He's going to be but a first ballot Hall of Famer. Same type of half. Yeah, he's going to yep. have a he's a first ballot Hall of Famer in the NFL, you know. I mean, he's he's going to put up a 
ton of a ton of more accolades, you know, a lot of more championships and trophies and all that good stuff. But when you get a half like Spencer did, and he's coming off an All Big Twelve season, you know, and and the the whole the whole talk the past couple of years is. If Spencer comes back and plays in 21 like he did in 2020 against Miami in the Cheez-It Bowl, things are going to be okay. And he and for the most part, he did. And then he goes out there and does what he get, did against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, and we're thinking, all right, if he comes back in 22 and he plays like he did against Notre Dame, things are going to be okay. And he picked up right where he left off. Finishes with a career-high 406 yards, four passing touchdowns, uh, and then two rushing touchdowns. He stayed with the two rushing touchdowns. And uh, was it 57? I think 57 yards on the ground. Hey, so. you, you mentioned the Fiesta Bowl. So in the on-pokes report, in the game notes, yeah. from halftime of the Fiesta Bowl through halftime of Central Michigan, yeah. so about 60 minutes of football. I put that in my, my game Sp- story. Spencer Sanders was 43 of 59 for 549 yards, five touchdowns of the year, 16 carries for 139 and two scores. Yeah. That yeah. is PlayStation numbers when you turn absolutely the, when you turn the the computer down to the to the worst level. Yeah, you know, and that's I think it would have continued, and it's something you know. If you're gonna go as vanilla as they did in the second half after they scored, why are you? And we'll get into this, you know, putting in backups or not putting in backups. But had they not gotten vanilla in the second half, then I think Spencer. First of all, I don't think he would have played virtually the entire second half. But if they don't go vanilla, Spencer probably finishes with over 500 yards. I don't want to say 600 because he probably would have thrown for another 100 or so, a couple, three throws. He would have had another 45-yarder or whatever. Probably would have finished with 500-plus yards before they pulled him and put Gunner in. And in the fourth quarter, if Rashad Owens makes that catch on the little five-yard stop, Mm -hmm. If he makes that catch, makes the guy miss, which he has a chance of doing, he's gone to the races, and there's another 40. Yeah, so – and another touchdown. Which, yeah. And, and that happens some in the in the second half. I mean, I think I think humidity uh, – we started seeing a lot of cramps both sides. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys limping in the second half. A lot of brain cramps started happening in the second half too. And that's something where, yes, the defense gave up 29 points in the second half. Yes, it was the starting defense that gave up 29 points. But I will say you have to take a lot of that with a grain of salt. Was it embarrassing? Yeah, it was ugly. You know, it was not. That was a bad half of football. There's no way around it. There were a lot of mistakes being made, uh, a lot well, of different types of mistakes. And I, and I think, in, and Derek Mason will probably use the phrase that, that, Absolutely. Any, that any dad would use whenever he goes, I'm not mad at you, I'm just disappointed. And that's, you know, and he talked about it in the post game. He was, we got a lot of, we got a lot of learning to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big learning experience for us. You have to take that second half performance with a, with a pretty big grain of salt. Because there is a the only thing we talked about for months leading into it is yes the defensive line is really good, but this is a young and inexperienced defense. And at the positions where they're not young, they are inexperienced. You're either young and inexperienced or old and inexperienced at a lot of positions. Because you lost, you had two defensive linemen, you had two linebackers, so there's four. You lost two safeties, that's six, and you lost at least three safeties. I was, or, I was. Did I say safeties twice? I think I may have said safeties twice, but you lose two corners and you lose at least three safeties. It's a very valid point, but I was surprised that Gundy used Bernard and McAllister's name by name in the post game. Yeah, that, that shocked me, but it was accurate. 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 Um, 
But it was. So, you know, if you've got those two guys out there, if you've got Jason Taylor and Tanner McAllister at safety, those are two veteran guys that, that are not yeah. getting caught in the eyewash that that our guys did. Gundy talked about that on his radio show. He Gundy nailed mm-hmm. what they would do, but then Gundy was also incorrect on, on what they would do. He thought it was going to be ground and pound, two tight ends, we're playing old Kansas State, which they did a lot of that. But he thought that it was going to be more of just pounding pound the run. We took that out of their playbook a little bit by going up, uh, all the way up to 51-15. At that point, you can't just run left, run yeah. right. But they did a lot of the uh, two tight ends come across to change your defense. Now you guys have to communicate. And then they put another guy back in motion. There was a lot of pre-snap motion. And then after the pre-snap motion, there were a lot of crossing routes that happened in the middle of the field. But then that running back would slip out to the side on the little wheel route that they would catch us on. And I will be curious to see, and I don't know if we'll ever get a, a full answer from the coaches or the players, but I am curious to know how much, because when you look at Jason, not Jason Taylor, when you look at Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad last year, when they were in the game, they played well last year, especially the Fiesta Bowl. Those two guys were really solid in the Fiesta Bowl. However, they're not the ones they have a safety blanket of two very, very good corners ahead of them that are on the sidelines. So you don't necessarily have to worry. You can go out there and say, I'm the young guy. I'm the future. I'm going to show you what I can do. But if it doesn't work, I'm not concerned because I don't have to be out here the whole time. You didn't get that last night. You don't have a Jark Bernard Converse. You don't have a Christian Holmes, which Christian makes a 53 with Washington. And I think when it wherever – Jark goes after LSU. I think Jark can make a 53 because Jark was really solid. So you're losing two, one for sure NFL cornerback and one that I think could be an NFL cornerback. And you have two guys that don't have that NFL safety blanket behind them. So I'm they played well at times, but when they get burned, when they struggle, they don't have a Jark or a Christian to come in. They're the only. So I'm curious to see what that safety blanket you know, they could play without any inhibitions last year, but they don't have that this year, if that makes any sense. It does. And we've talked about and even talked with Dion about uh, whenever the whenever the defensive line is so strong and that's the strength of the team, what do you do with the corners? Do you put them up in press man? Do you, you know, put them in a zone? And last, last night we were, I thought, too soft. Um, I mean – Certainly not going to go sit in Derek Mason's office and say, hey, pull up the tape. Let me show you what you missed. Mm -hmm. But my opinion, I thought they were too soft, especially once we figured out that was going to be their passing attack, which was snap the ball, get the ball out. Yeah. And Mike alluded to that, you know, in the postgame that – and maybe we did make that adjustment at times. It seemed like it could have been made earlier. Um But – or or something different there in the second half when they were making their comeback, it just – it was just wide open guy after wide open guy. I mean, you know, on two plays in a row, the touchdown to a wide open guy. The next play, a two point conversion to a guy with yeah. nobody twenty yards from him. And they had uh, that a few times. And so I thought the defensive line. I mean, real interested to see what the Pro Football Focus grades are on some of these guys. Are the, uh, have those come out yet? I don't. I mean, I, I haven't seen them. Or do they wait until maybe all the, the games are maybe played. after the maybe weekend? Sunday. But, but 
I think that uh, Mason Cobb and Jason Taylor, I think those guys are going to get really, really high yeah. grades. I'd be shocked if the defensive line doesn't get really high. Tyler Lacey's going to have a great grade. Well, if you don't, don't want to wait for that, Robert will have, it's what, 1 o'clock, one fifteen on Friday. This will be out. When you're listening to this, it's probably Friday evening. By that time, Robert should have his offensive and defensive previews or uh, reviews out. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if he does player by player, but he does, he does grade positions. So you... Yeah. There's a good chance you'll have something like that by Friday night. And I, and I think, you know, as we're kind of doing a good, the bad, and the ugly, a great good, bad, and the ugly, the coaches are at 1 o'clock right now. They're already doing that with players, with their units. Yeah. The, this is such a teachable game. Well, and I will say that while the second-half defense is the ugly, I don't I don't want to put that strictly on it because it's the first game you got a lot of inexperience, so like their communication was the ugly because it was ba- because it was bad. You have to you have to put it in the ugly category, but you chalk a lot of it up to inexperience and youth. Now, if they're doing the exact same thing seven weeks into the season, then you can say, okay, this is actually ugly. This is actually bad, bad and, football. And I can't I can't imagine with the if if it was a full new coaching staff on that defensive side absolutely if it was everybody's new terminology's different yeah. all of this is different then okay like I could see maybe in seven weeks we're still struggling with this I can't see that with Clemens at linebacker and absolutely. Richmond on the defensive line and and well, and that's Duffy the, and them and, and that's the good thing about it is there was a lot of promise. At times, it wasn't horrible the whole night because as yeah. it fifty one fifteen, they came up with they there were some growing pains early, but there were a lot of promising moments and they had a really really solid first half of football, and then Central Michigan makes adjustments and they start to throw plays that we haven't seen before and that's where the youth and inexperience come in. So there there is you can't do a lot with promise early on except kind of talk about it and well it's an excuse you know. But like we just, you know, with this coaching staff, with this terminology, with this, it's the same across the board. You have to, and you have to expect that this defense is going to get better. You would think that they'll be better next week. I don't know how much better, but there will be mistakes that they made against Central Michigan that they will make fewer of yeah. against Arizona well, State. Well, you give Central Michigan all the credit at halftime. They were solid. Being, being down 44-15. to 15, They were solid. You come out and in 29, uh, in 37 seconds you give up on two plays – now you're down 51-15. You're probably sitting around going, uh, everything we just talked about in halftime, were you guys even listening? You know, And then they just keep plugging and just keep coming yeah. back 29 second-half points. Uh, so we are talking about the defense in versus – we're talking about it versus our expectation. Right. A lot of that is because of what we saw last year. It's hard to do after last year's defense. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly I don't think any – OSU fan wants to uh, think about us in some old 2008 defense giving up 44 points. I don't think we're going to – at the end of the year, we're not going to average giving up 44 points. I would We're going to have not. some better games. Yeah. Um, if, if Arkansas Pine Bluff scores 44 points, we're it's going to be a, a, long gonna be a rough podcast. But a long year. But, so you're up 37-7 to seven before they score again, and that was – with 43 seconds left in the in the half, most of the time we go down and kneel that. Yeah, we got aggressive. Yeah, loved seeing that. You know where we start going down the field. Dominic Richardson gets a little one yard touchdown right before half, um, and then we come back out, get the ball again. Got aggressive. Fans have been clamoring for that for years because traditionally, the, our offenses get real conservative when they're up 
37 7 all yeah. of a sudden it's it's the vanilla stuff what another one of the greats um this is kind of a i'm gonna say this is a great and an ugly okay okay the offense when we were in tempo oh, we man. were great yeah we're flying when we were in slow down mode it was so unoriginal so i mean it's just the so vanilla as, as you've used that's that's where i think fans even that <laughs> If you if you don't know anything about football, you go. You know that's this, not right. This isn't it. Yeah. I mean, Ollie Gordon shouldn't be getting hit twice, three yards in the backfield, and having to use all six foot three to fall forward to get negative one yards. You know, on, on the day, and Ollie would I think his his running falls into the bad, and not necessarily on him, but his two catches fall into the good. Yeah. Because as soon as he catches that and hits hits the spin cycle, uh, and that dude still doesn't know where Ollie went. He's probably watching film He's going. He's still roaming around. Doing the, where did who go, yeah. you know, on Top Gun. But, and then, so, all he catches that, gets in that, uh, whenever you see a guy's instinct come in, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't have time to think. As soon as he turns around, he's got Central Michigan helmet flying at him. He does a spin move, gets another seven or eight yards. They go right back to him. Remember how good he was in those seven-on-sevens? Mm-hmm. All those videos of him in seven-on-seven catching the ball on the outside. People didn't talk about that much in his game, yeah. you know, coming here, but that's a huge weapon. And they went right back to it. He catches it, turns upfield, lowers the head, and just blasts the guy. The guy makes tackle, but he, he made him earn it. And that's that's where you kind of can chalk up the potential. You know, you can you can see it. You mm-hmm. know, you can see Ollie Gordon and what he can be. Now, between game one this year and game one next year, He's probably going to be twenty-five to thirty pounds heavier. He's going to look like a different human being because we, as we were leaving the stadium last night, uh, last night we followed him and his family. He's not six-two. I understand that the I understand that the depth chart, the the roster shows that he's six-two, two, fifteen or whatever. He's not six-two. If he's six-two, then I'm six-two, and I'm not six-two. All right. It's like Braylon. If Braylon's 5'8", then I'm like 6'4". Braylon made a little move last night on Braylon, the catch, too. It was too. nice was, to was see him nice, out there. Put the foot in the ground, hop the other way. But that's, nice. but that's what's important to look at. Yeah, they de- the defense gave up a lot. But Kendall Daniels had a lot of really good moments. Yep. You know, they got burnt a few times, but but Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad had some good moments. These are These are juniors. These are guys that had solid performances last year, but they didn't play at all as freshmen virtually, and they barely played as juniors last year. So there's still a lot of growing there. Mason Cobb had some really good moments, and then Mason Cobb had some not-so-good moments. Same with Xavier Benson. When you look at the back end, Thomas Harper is going to have to figure some things out, but he had some moments, you know. And So there's a lot of potential, and I understand you can't do anything with potential. It doesn't do anybody any good. But like you said, I don't. I don't think there's going to be too many more games this year where you're giving up 29 in the second half and your offense can't do anything. They're just incredibly vanilla running the ball. And and I don't think that you know if this was that old, uh, if it was the old Big 12, 2010 Big 12, where both teams are it's just a flat shootout. Yeah. I think last night, if we wanted, we could have scored 80. I agree. I think we could have. I, I think agree. that they, they, they the took the calls. they took the foot off the gas and and got very vanilla, which you know. 
don't really understand and and kind of one of the things and I was over in section 224 you can hear the people around you can hear the student well, the student section was amazing by the way they were real good really good full before the game started they were rocking I will give I know that they don't have a genuine say in scheduling I know every Big 12 team has to agree to a Thursday night game with Labor Day being on Monday and they're not being like with this being like a three-day weekend the fact that it was a Thursday night game did Oklahoma State Worlds yeah. of benefits. No, the fact they, that all the students were there. They were there. They were, if it's a Saturday they were, game, they're not there. They were there and they were loud. On yeah. that safety, from where uh, 224 is is one section over from that corner. Yeah. Okay. You could hear, and it hasn't been many games where you can hear that corner louder than the rest of the stadium. You yeah. could hear either right ear, you could hear that. And uh, and Tyler Lacey gets in there and just blows that play up. Lamont Bishop goes is right next to him. They get the safety. We hadn't, we hadn't had too many of those, especially down in that corner, and uh, and that, that was really cool. Yeah, I Tyler had a really good game. He had, he had a couple of moments where, and it's something that it's good and bad. The offensive line or the defensive line wasn't great, you know, but they were they were good. And then in the same vein, I will put bad because we I don't think we got to see what that defensive line can truly do because. Give Central Michigan a lot of credit. They schemed really well. Central Michigan's a better football team, I think, than a lot of people gave them credit for. I think that quarterback Richardson's going to be really solid. We know Lou Nichols was going to be good. He was impossible to bring runs down. Runs hard. Oh, Gosh, man. that guy runs hard. Oh, I, think his I hope legs, our running backs watch that video. I think video. his legs are still pumping. Yeah. I think he's still picking up an extra three to four after contact. Well, and those guys, we talked about it last week, those guys don't have another ranked opponent all year, so they're yeah. next, you know, until they get into, okay, you've got to win this game. Their next biggest game is conference championship yeah, if they get there. If they make it, yeah. And a bowl, you know, a bowl after that. And uh, Yeah, not that so this they is had their every, Super Bowl, but right. they, they had want nothing, to win. And Gundy talked about that. You use the phrase, they have nothing to lose. Yeah. They're down 51-15, yeah. and they just strapped on, so here we go. So Colin, Colin gets the first sacked. Hey, big thing for Colin. Yeah. He wasn't getting to the quarterback. A lot of young pass rushers would really get discouraged and you'd see the their level of play come down. Yeah. What you saw to him was he was he was reading the court the quarterback and if that quarterback was thrown, he was jumping with hands up. Mm-hmm. You don't solid. see that too much out of especially a young guy. That's coachable. Yeah, he was love seeing that. He was solid. Tyler Lacey was solid. Uh, Sam Wella got into the backfield a few times and made a couple of tackles. Um it's always funny to hear uh, journalists or, or media members complain about Sam Wella. No, they just don't want to say his name. <laughs> they don't want to have to try to type it. In if he does my opinion, good. Sam Wella has the easiest name to spell. The Tui Alamaka? Yeah. You it's like it? so easy. Right. T-U-I-H-A-L-A-M-A-K-A. Oh, nice. Tui Alamaka. That's nice. It's, I never thought about it that way. It's incredibly simple. It's so it's always just funny. Like you listen to, oh, he gets, it's cool for him. He gets a tackle, but Tui Halamaka, I gotta type that out. I'm like, <laughs> it's it spell it, it reads as it spell. I mean, it's so simple. So I know the Sanders is easy, and but Gordon is easy, but Tui Halamaka, it's exactly how it is. It's so fun. Yeah, H A L A M A K A. So I'd love watching that dude work out. I bet he moved his younger weight. his younger brother. Is going to be good too. Yep. I think he's a 24, 25 out at Modern Day. He's going to be something else. Wow. Yeah. So, a uh, little little recruiting talk for you. So, and, and I think it's, you know, we started this by saying we're going to do a, a great, good, bad, and the ugly. And it's funny how much 
we jump around. Uh, you know, we start with, well, okay, this wasn't bad. Well, but they had potential, and we showed that. Yeah. That's how weird of a game this was. Even though the stat line says you were up 37-7 or you were up 31, uh, 51-15, well, the 51-15 was early in the third. And where I'm headed with this is when do you get the backups in? And it was never it never had a great feel for that. I think that over the years, I, Gundy has won 150 games, so he's not looking to me for, for opinions. He's got he's figured it out, but I would love to see us get our backup quarterback in with the starting with the rest of the starters well, earlier. Especially if you're going to be as vanilla as you were. But see, I don't want us to get our backup in and then be no, vanilla. Oh no, 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 no. I'm not I'm not saying oh, that. Oh, if your plan is I'm to saying be, if, if your starters are out there and you're playing vanilla, yeah. there's no reason that you shouldn't have your backup quarterback in trying to move the football. And I and I don't think, you know, the fifty one fifteen wasn't the time because that's still 14 minutes left in the third right. quarter. That's not it. If we go out and get a stop there, and yeah. traditionally Mike has left the starters in for the first three quarters. He has done that with Mason. He did that with Whedon. He, he has done that. But when we were 58-28, you're up by 30 with nine minutes to go. Yeah. To me, if, if I'm the opposing coach and I see the other team has left their starters in but put in the backup quarterback – if they go down the field on my defense, that's on my defense. That yeah. that's not you're running the score up. Now you go three Hail Marys, you know, you do something crazy like that. Yeah. But if they're just out there running the offense with the backup quarterback in there, you got to get that guy to work too because at any given time, heaven forbid, Gunner could be in there with the starters because Spencer's out. Yeah. And we don't want that. Yeah. Especially and, if he's never taken a snap and in live bullets. And that's with the thing. The quarterback, the, the starting quarterback, should never be vanilla. Like if that's if your game, I agree with that. if your game plan is to go okay, well we're up forty points or what you know just whatever uh, yeah an, e, an even forty points and we need to slow we don't want to run the clock up anymore so we're going to send our starting quarterback out there to do a couple of runs around the end or to hand off up the middle. Those are valuable snaps for your second string. Now, I'm not saying that the second string should go out there and have a couple of runs around the end or handoff up the middle, but you the first couple of drives with a backup, you give him handoffs up the middle. You, you let him hand the ball off. You let him run. You let him get his energy out. You let him get his nerves out, his jitters out. That first play, run around the end. He runs out of bounds, 15 yards, almost takes out Spencer. That's some jitters right there. You allow him to do that two or three times, and then you send him back. And I get it. The defense was struggling. So I understand the I understand the the, the reason they, they kept Spencer out there because the defense could but if you're not trying to score, send Gunner out there because you're not scoring anyway. I, I'm with you. You get him the experience. I'm with you because the offense wasn't trying to score. And I understand late then you know you tried to and then you had some penalties and and you you had to back it up and this and that and they did end up scoring to get to 58, but. There's no reason Gunner shouldn't have taken well, and every, 30 snaps. Every coach, no coach wants to be wrong right. about when to put the backups in. And then you go, oh, guys, starters Whoops. on me. Get ready. Yeah. Because now those guys have been over on the side. They've been laughing, drinking water. They're they're out of the flow of the game. But I think incrementally incrementally putting your, your backups in, you know, okay, Brennan, you're done for the day. John Paul, you're getting all these stats. Or Braylon, who, whoever yeah. his backup is. Now you're in. But he's in there with the others, with the ones. You just incrementally 
keep those guys out there. Yeah. You're still running your offense. Those guys practice the offense. If they don't know the playbook, yeah. they, well, and I'll that's give, on them. And I'll give Gundy a lot of credit. They cycled in a considerable amount of offensive linemen. They they played about 7 to 10 deep, and the offensive line was... Run, At one point, it was all backups and Etienne. Run, blocks, run mm-hmm. blocking needs to improve dramatically, but the offensive line was... For the most part, the offensive line was good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they were great. I'm not going to give them an A or an A-, A minus or a B or anything. But the offensive line was good last night. They held their own, sure, and and they gave Spencer a ton of time. Absolutely, he had so much time to so many times that he just got to look first read. Nope, second read. Nope, third read. Nope. Okay, I'll run. Yeah, and then okay, take off. And and Spencer was so smooth on that uh, on that was supposed to be a draw. Spencer's long touchdown run, uh, that was supposed to be a draw. Now, the running back had to pull off of the draw in order to take on a blitzing linebacker Mm -hmm. to save his quarterback's hind because both of them were going to go down if he hands that ball off. So, But you didn't see Spencer panic in the replay. You can just see him kind of stick the ball out there and go, oh, okay, tuck it up the middle, to the right, to the left. You know, and, and then through there. Yeah. Now, I will say, uh, by the end of the game, I uh, toot my own horn here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, after game one, the rushing standings go. Dominic Richardson, Spencer Sanders, mm-hmm. Jaden Nixon, as predicted mm-hmm. by B. Murphy, 47. Look at you. Well, we're one game, one out of 12. So, yeah, or, like, or hopefully 14. Like, I put in my uh, – <laughs> I put a uh, – an my article last night where I think we're going to start to – I think we're going to start to move away from game, game traditional game stories, uh, and it's going to be more just like a quick recap, hit on the main point, you know, the biggest point of the game. So obviously Spencer's the main story yeah. last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I included about halfway down the fact that you know this is the first, the only the second time in Big Twelve history as a quarterback's ever done this. Uh, I included the the tidbit from Oklahoma State about from the second half or the Fiesta Bowl to now and yada yada yada, and then I also included the the tweet from. Uh, one Skip Bayless. Oh, I didn't see that. Did you not? Did you not? I see did not see that one. Skip's tweet. No. Let me read it to you because I've got it right here. He's he's um, always a sound mind. So in... it's Spencer finished the day with an impressive four hundred six passing yards, uh, career high four touchdowns through the air as well as nine carries, fifty seven yards, two touchdowns. A performance that drew Heisman talk from a few national media members. Spencer Sanders is making an early Heisman statement, picking up right where he left off versus Notre Dame in the Fiesta. That's a valid statement. I'm not. It, he he's I, not. I detect no lies. He's not in the Heisman talk. Yeah. He's. They didn't predict him to win a Heisman Trophy. He's making an early Heisman statement. Sure. Four hundred and six yards and and did something that only one other Big Twelve quarterback has ever done. And he's going to have a chance to do it again next week against Arizona State, who right. who beat Northern Arizona or whoever it was. Uh, what is it? Two winning seasons in the last ten years. Right. But but I no, think- that's Arizona. That's either, my mistake. Either way. Arizona State's been pretty good the last 10 years. They put enough on film last night that that this team, coming off of what would be a disappointing opener for us? A loss? No, 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 no. Come, us coming off of a disappointing performance. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I thought you were Arizona, asking me what a disappointing. No, okay. no, no, no. Arizona State put enough on film. We're going to take them serious. I would agree. I would think that, you know, obviously you're not going to look ahead to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, the fourth stringers might because I hey, that's when I get to play, buddy. Yeah. Um, well, first, of all, I will say this: you you mentioned four stringers. I could not be any happier for someone than I am of Zach Middleton. Yeah, 
No, that's oh, great. That's so cool. I, I covered him in high school. Talked. I mean, he's a he's probably the nicest person on that team. Incredibly genuine. Um, it's my mom was his. I don't know if she still is or if she or if she just was. Uh, but she was his academic advisor. And so he'd come in for a meeting or whatever. And she'd say, so what'd you guys do uh, last night? I'm like, oh, he just went to Bible study and then went to dinner and then went home. You know, that's all. Studied film. Yeah. Bible study and film. Oh, that's good you know, to hear. So, like, he's such a great kid. And for him to get into the end, and he was the scout team running back last year, he mm-hmm. made that defense mm-hmm. better. So the fact that he gets in and gets to score a touchdown, yeah. I'm just over the moon. And for he that was kid. the lead blocker on the first Dominic yeah. Richardson touchdown. The so, first time they went under center. So and for me, Zach Middleton. Good. Oh, yeah. So cool. No, you know what? Great. Because he was the lead blocker yeah. on a touchdown run. And then he scores. And then he was the the That's aforementioned so. Amarillo trained Julius Croslin, who was famous for yeah. one <laughs> one carry, one yard, one touchdown. He yeah. would do that. No, that was really cool. And uh, it was great late in the game to see him get Absolutely. in there. Um yeah, way off track. So, yeah. No, I uh, get it. But Arizona State put enough on film. that. that so, I think this week – we're going to hear the coaches say that was one of the better weeks of practice, more focused week of you know, practice. And I've not that they overlooked Central Michigan because I don't think they did. I, no. It's it's something they had to they had to bust their ass and really work to try to stop Central Michigan. But if I had to look at any of the three non-conference games to quote unquote take ser- more serious than any of the others, I've always had that Arizona State game. Sure, circle. they're the Power Five team, mm-hmm. no doubt. And you know, and then the the Arkansas Pine Bluff is the is the get healthy, get right, you know. And then you get a week to prepare for Baylor, mm-hmm. an extra week. So that's, I, I think the schedule works out nicely for Oklahoma State moving into it. Now, it's like it's like we've talked about. It's like we talked about before we recorded. That's uh, what we talked about yesterday during the game. It's what we talked about today on the podcast. Was the defense good last night? At times, yes. For the most part, it's probably fifty fifty. It was probably fifty percent good, fifty percent bad. There were times where you're just like, oh, my God, this is going to be the longest year in the world. What was the, the title of your story, Tale of Two Halves? Yeah, you can't, you can't put a lot into it, but there is a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential on that side of the ball. There are a lot of plays last night where you're thinking, okay, all right, young kid, you're, that, you're going to be okay. you got to come along. There's a lot of growing pains. you got to figure stuff out as the season goes along. But there is promise. I, as, as bad as it was at times, I don't think – now you may have a game like that again. I'm not sitting here saying that's going to be the worst performance of the year because you're gonna you're gonna face an offense where it's just you, nothing goes right. All right, this is not 21 offense or 21 defense. It's just not. You, you I don't think they'll ever this year. They won't have a performance like they did. Maybe Kansas or Pine Bluff. Right. But you're not you're not gonna have a 2021 defense performance this year. You're just not. Will there be games where they struggle? Yes, but. What ha- some of the mistakes that were made last night were because of youth and you and, and as of in- experience because of inexperience. There we go. You won't see some of those mistakes made again. I, I these guys will grow from this, and they got a couple extra days to prepare. At times, it was awful, but there's a lot of promise on that side of the ball. So. No, there is, and even even the special team. I mean, this is one of those. Oh, that's where I wanted to go. Special teams. Tom Hutton, great. I don't know what he does with his punts. Yeah. But the spin, the weird Aussie spin, it spins. Mm-hmm. It's like toilet, the toilet flush thing. Yeah. It spins the opposite direction. They don't know what to do. And there's somebody out there right now going, "But he got a point block. It wasn't on him. Well, it's not his fault." Uh, Lamont Bishop like waved at the guy, slapped yeah. him on the backside as he went through there. Tom was Tom to was go, great. Yeah, no, that Tom was great. Now, I wonder at what point on that 
does does Tom know? All right, if I kick this, it's about to get blocked. Mm-hmm. Like, and does he know that, or does he just catch kick? Because that guy was. I, it wasn't like he came from the side. That guy comes straight at him. Is I, the, has, I like, has anybody ever? I like the fact. I like the fact that they continue because it's you know you you go back to uh, Alex Hale and it's all motion, right? It's it's something he's like or. Um, was it Amendola who was who was the who was the kicker two or three years ago that was missing extra points? It wasn't Amendola. Who was, that was the kicker? That was Hale. Was it Hale? It was Hale early on? Yeah. So he he, he speeds up. Oh, he's, Brown. he's four ticks off. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's all motion. So if you if you get your motion, and we know that like Tom first year he struggled. It, the football is totally different. The rules are totally different. Everything is different. He's older. He's f- trying to figure it all out. As ever, with every year that's passed, Tom Hutton has gotten much, much better. Tom Hutton is not only the oldest active FBF player in the country. I think Tom has a chance to. He will have a chance to win the the Ray guy. I'm not. I'm not saying he will, but as we get along, he'll be one of the best punters in college football. It, he if he doesn't if he's not there at Disney on ESPN for the the final three, he will should go down as one of the more underrated. Once because because th- of his impact on there is not a guy who goes back there and is comfortable no catching that punt no and 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 when I say that he'll have a chance to win it if he's not in the top three he'll be in like the top five or six all right he'll he'll be a top eight punter in yeah. college football which so had, which gives him a chance he had six punts last night um, one got blocked and I'm I'm pretty sure four of them were down inside the fifteen yeah. Yeah, you know. you know, so when you look at that, like, he has his rhythm, he has his motion, I don't want him to change it. If it's going to get blocked, like, it's unfortunate, but if he changes it, you know, and he somehow fumbles it, you know, like, you'd rather it, I, it's, 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 a re- it's a weird catch-22. Like, so it's a weird double-edged sword, because do you want it blocked and recovered, or do you want him to change it and potentially fumble it or get injured, get in tackle, like... I would rather him just go through the motion because you're, it's either it's either going to fumble it and you're going to lose it, it's going to get blocked and he's going to lose it, or he's going to get injured. Or if you if you just go through the motion and it gets blocked and a guy get he runs into the punter, you get a first down anyway. So I'd almost just rather him just go through. Like if you, it takes you four seconds to get a ball off, it takes you four seconds to get a ball. Well, off. he he had fallen into a rhythm of because he has two ways of doing it when. When they are rushing at him, he can catch and boom, it's yeah. gone. He was also uh, there in the middle whenever he was trying to pin him deep. He was catching it, staring at the defense, taking a long time. Yeah, and to then, do and it. then, yeah, well, that gives your your gunners yeah. down there. It gives them time to get set up. And you so know, if you're can, able to do that, if if the guys, if the defense is rushing you, yeah. you know, if they're trying he was, to block you know, it. it was. It was Lamont Bishop completely whiffed on a guy, and he was in a bad part of the field to take that approach. And I think Mike said something about Lamont last night, too. You know, Lamont's a guy that is going to have to figure out how to play. Like, not that he doesn't know how to play, but he hasn't really played before. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that's played behind Malcolm and Devin. And, and when you, that's something I talked about with Tom on Wednesday, my show on Wednesday. You're having to replace two very, very good corners. You're having mm-hmm. to replace two very, very good linebackers. But let's just take a look at corner, for instance, here before we get off here. AJ Green and Radarius Williams. AJ goes to the NFL. Radarius is like, I'm going to come back for his senior year. And everyone's like, Yeah, duh. Of course you're going to. There's no other option. And then he comes back and develops into the best corner in the Big 12. And he's playing in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. He's a 53 man roster. 
So you're you're having to replace two NFL corners, and you bring in Christian Holmes, who develops it. Uh, Christian's first year was rough. Mm-hmm. Develops into an NFL corner. Jarg will be an NFL. There's four NFL corners that Tim Duffy has brought in and developed and sent, and will have sent to the NFL by, before it's all said and done. So you have to have a lot of hope about Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad. Tim Duffy knows what he's doing. And then you look at linebackers. Well, and Jones played a lot last night, too. And DeMarco. You yeah, DeMarco, DeMarco Reagan, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Reagan. I mean, it, the, he is recruited. Cam Smith, you know, he kind of struggled at times, but Cam's going to be good. I think Cam Epps is going to be good. You know, so there's a lot of potential. And I know I'm missing someone, but there's a lot of potential there. You have to be excited about that. And you look at linebacker. There have been three NFL linebackers that Oklahoma State is having to replace. That's spectacular. So, was it rough at times? Yes, but they're figuring it out. Yeah, they're figuring and, and it they're, out. Yeah, they're they're like we said just a minute ago. They're over there looking at the same same film with the ability to coach these guys to break it down to show them, hey, this is where you were supposed to be. And you know, we said I think it was last week during the depth chart. Mason Cobb has sat there and watched. I mean, to me, last night he was in that Malcolm Rodriguez role, agree. Uh, where he's filling gaps. He's not necessarily always the blitzer. Uh, he was not in coverage, you know, as much. But he's he's filling gaps. He's reading run pass and then adjusting. And I thought that he did. I thought he did a good job. We'll see what the Pro Football Focus, um, you know, grade is on him. But I thought he did a good job there. And he he was that guy that was just always around the ball, always yeah. around the play at the end. And well, and that's something that I yesterday on our pregame show talking with Tom about. Is Mason Cobb going to be as good as Malcolm is this year? No. No. they got a long ways to go. But when you look at what Malcolm did, he was he was obviously incredibly talented. There's a big difference between playing Big 12 defense and playing in the NFL. Is Malcolm going to make every tackle this year? No. Did he make every tackle in training camp with the Lions? No. But if you watch Hard Knocks, Malcolm's plugging every hole he needs to, and he's always at the ball. That's what Mason did last night. Mm-hmm. Is Mason going to make every tackle? No. Is he going to be at the ball every single play? Probably not, but he's going to he's going to play sound assignment football. He's going to block the holes he needs to. He's going to make the tackle when the guy comes his way, and he's going to be uh, – there were uh, several plays last night where the tackle gets made and he's coming in as the, as the ball's going towards the ground. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. He, he'll be the Malcolm. Maybe not talent-wise yet. In he, that role. He could develop, but he played the Malcolm role last night, and mm-hmm. he did it well. So yeah. looking forward to that. And, uh, and Benson can – if if we think, I think that, he'll if be we good. think Benson didn't have, I'll be interested to see what his grade is too. I don't anticipate it being as high. But I think the, a C, C but, plus, very average. But then it wasn't bad. Then again, those guys look at what your assignment should have been. Yeah. You know, they're looking at way more than whether he got twelve tackles or not. But Benson, I think, is so athletic, and he led the JUCO in tackles last year, so he has a nose for that. A very good JUCO league. Yes, mind you. and. So he will get there, and as soon as he gets there, when your when your two linebackers are figuring it out, it makes everybody better. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's something that you know with that defensive line, offenses are going to pick that middle, you know, and and then as soon as the linebackers come along, it makes the defensive line's job a little bit easier because you don't have to worry about the middle of the field. So yeah, it's last night wasn't great. There were a lot of bad moments, but. And I'm not trying to sit here with orange colored. I'm not trying to pump sunshine. All right, I'm not trying to say, don't worry about any of that. Whatever you saw last night, you'll never see it again. <laughs> right. It's it's not. 
it was bad. There were there were moments where Derek Mason is watching film today going, Jesus, what in the world were we what have we talked about the last two did did anything we talked about or practice take at all? There's gonna be there's gonna be that moment, but things will be okay. The sun yeah. will rise again. Well and and you think these guys were seeing things live that they did not see on, on film, which 100%. credit Central Michigan. Good job. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Make it tough on the other team. So what we saw last night was these these young guys on the back end need to work on that communication. That has to, that communication has to happen lickety split. I mean, they, they've got to say the one um, you know the the one little command word that says either I got him, you got him, yeah. and that, that'll come. And, and that has to get ironed out where that where that focus and why I say this is probably going to be the best practice week, it means something more. When the coaches are talking, it's not just, oh, yeah, that's just coach speak. No, you screwed that up this last game, and here's what we've been talking about. Oh, yeah. I get it now. That aha moment. I get it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Parting parting thoughts? It'll find any any final thoughts? No, I just thought it was for for a Thursday night game, it was an amazing atmosphere. Um, I thought the campus was was live. Well, especially uh, five minutes before kickoff when the stadium is like 15% full. Like I'm thinking, like, oh man, this isn't going to be good. And then midway through the first quarter, it, it wasn't it wasn't a sellout, but yeah, the, it was uh, it was a it was a solid turnout. I was really proud. The I will say that the the, the, the crowd rain, attendance was inflated. There were not well, that, there no, were not as many people. But there. the 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 rain held off some. You know the the people coming in early. Everybody knew their seat was going to be wet. Yeah. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. So and and underneath. When we walked in, I mean, I don't know. I was in there probably thirty, at least thirty minutes before before kickoff. The concessions were packed, so whenever I got up in the seats, I knew where everybody was. Yeah, I mean, concessions were like six o'clock game. It's time to eat. Yeah, you know, I think Chick Fil A ran out of sandwiches, which pretty crazy. Not yeah, as, right. not as crazy as Pitt, West Virginia running out of beer. Running out of beer. How do you run out of? Anyways, come on, Yingling. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, so Oklahoma, um, by the way, I, I do think I think I think next week's game will be more sound. I, I'm not I can't sit here and predict that it'll be better, you know. But I, I do think that the next week it'll be more sound. I think Spencer will be solid. I think the defense will be better. Running backs will have a more better plan. Are we going to get to see DeAndre Jackson? More better plan. I like that. More, more going to be more better plan. You know, I think the receivers are going to be more sound, and and so there won't be. Some of the mistakes you saw, I don't think you'll see as many next week. I don't think I'm the only You're not. OSU fan who doesn't understand how nine months after a guy transfers here, you still have transcript issues. Consider me not buying it. But we're going to go with transcript. It is A&M. Well, I get that, but I'm pretty you sure. You talked that- to Samantha Shaw. I did. And how hard it is to leave A&M. I understand. But he's been here for a while. I'm pretty sure that somebody could drive down there. He's been see. here for a while. Yeah, so that one's interesting. Yeah. It's Hopefully a, it's he's a out thing. there next week. It's a it's a thing, and it's a thing that you want to be – and I don't know what the thing is. I don't know. But you would yeah. you would hope that the transcript would be fixed. Do you think there was a conversation that happened with some with a player that uh, – I'm going to go out on puts a limb. out – the night before the game that says, "Hey, I'm not playing tomorrow." I'm gonna go out on a limb here, because I'm and say that 
I don't know. He, he retweeted something today. Never. I was going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that DeAndre Jackson doesn't tweet as <laughs> doesn't, much. Doesn't tweet for but a while, he, But he no. retweeted OSU football. Retweet this if you woke up 1-0, and, and he retweeted it. So, well, there you go. yeah, all right. Good for you, DeAndre. All he right. Uh, that's going to do it for the Poke Short Podcast. Again, uh, just kind of reiterate, uh, Stillwater Barber Co., the month of September, beard oils are 40% off. Uh, and then you can get shampoo and conditioner two for 20. And I can vouch for the shampoo and conditioner. It is spectacular. So that's going to do it for the Pokes Report Podcast. We'll talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.